Hello and welcome to another episode of Improperly Packaged, a show where we unbox topics related to movies, TV, games, whatever. I am Jordan and with me is Luke. How are you, Luke? I'm good. Hello, friends. Hello. Ah, much better than last week, that intro. Oof, what a, <laughs> what a shame. What a shame yep. that was. So I, little uh, speed bump, little speed bump. It's fine, it's fine. Um, so I had a, a moment today where I was thinking of like stuff I could talk about like at the beginning of the podcast like fun stuff and um, I had one of those zoom meetings at work or whatever teams meeting and Mm -hmm. we had to introduce ourselves to like new co-workers blah 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 and uh, the whole thing is oh and share a fun fact about yourself Mm, there's so many I had the opposite reaction I was like what you want me to what could I possibly? I'm just saying, there's so many fun things about Jordan that I can think of, but well, maybe none of them you want to share with those people. Ah, that's I mean, that's <laughs> really uh, generous of you, but for some reason I was like, I don't know. You're a fun guy, Jordan. What am I gonna do? Talk talk about the song we wrote? Be like, well, Shaw. You could tell them the whole story <laughs> of Shaw. Obviously. <laughs> Just so all of our game, okay, that, you, that came out on the Super Famicom back in the day. I could already like see the eyes <laughs> in the screen, like staring back at me. I was like, you know, Hands go to the face. <laughs> the, the eyes grow weary. Just know what I mean, guys? Right? That's me. <laughs> okay, Jordan. Real funny. Let's keep moving. Oh my god! No, they don't Good know one, me like Jordan. that. They don't know me like that. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what anyone would do if they knew me like that. <laughs> Just for you and Not everyone close listening enough to, the to podcast. no Shaw. No, you gotta be real close. You either gotta listen to the podcast or be you. No <laughs> about Shaw. Oh, I'm in such a privileged position. Oh yeah. How are you doing this week, Luke? I'm good. I'm tired at the moment, but I'm I'm okay. Okay. Weary bones. And Bethany's a little sick, so I'm hoping I'm not next. Oh, no. She's got that sore throat. Yeah, I, I, I stayed up really late on a Sunday night, and so Monday I made up for it. I was like, all right, I'm going to go. Thing is, I can't go to sleep too early, like, no matter what. Like, yep. if, I, if I'm like, yep. I'm going to go to sleep at 8.30, no. It's going to end in disaster. I'm going to wake up at, like, 3 and be yep. like, I'm wide awake. Yep. What am I going to do? So. so is the tale of anyone over, I feel like, around 30. Yeah. It's kind of like a turning point. I mean, it's all also about, like, having a full-time job and having to wake up early and stuff like that. I think, like, you get used to sleeping a certain amount. It's like, all of a sudden, you can't just be like, I'm going to sleep 13 hours. You can't. You just can't. I just couldn't, you know? I just, I feel like your body changes and that doesn't let you for some reason. Mm. I don't understand the physics of it, but. Your body says, look, The metaphysics old. of it. You're gonna. <laughs> you're well, only you able. Don't need all that. I do feel like I don't need as much sleep as I used to, which I'm sure doctors are like you fool, <laughs> but that's the way I feel. Because I feel like, like for me personally, if I actually got six hours of uninterrupted sleep in a night, I would feel amazing <laughs> compared to my normal self. What's your normal? Because I never get six or seven hours. I never get that, ever. Like, I'm lucky if I get five hours of uninterrupted sleep. 
So you're like, I mean, I probably over my night, I might sleep six hours, but I'm saying like, there's no point at which none of the nights I sleep, like go to sleep, wake up in the morning. Like I never do that. There's always like at least two points at which I wake up and then, you know, different nights I'll go to sleep faster than other nights. But, uh, I just imagine if I was able to be uninterrupted, you know, without the aid of drugs, which I, man, when I've taken stuff, I just, I just don't like the way I feel. Dude, I have nightmares. When I take melatonin, like I'll have like insane nightmares and it'll like wake me up and not like, oh, or and anything like that. that's supposed to be but... like the most natural, right? And it's still like, I just right. don't, I don't like it. Magnesium is another one I've heard. You can take like the magnesium pills and that'll help you sleep, but. That on that, honestly, I didn't really notice a difference. Like maybe it helped, and I just didn't notice it. But you need to eat some barbecue you know. before you go to sleep, or uh, like a turkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bunch of bread. Bunch of bread. That'll Bunch of good. pastries. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to eat a cake before going to Big sleep. Greasy burger, I guess. Oh, Pizza. Man. No problem is I'd wake up have indigestion. <laughs> Yeah, I got a toilet in the middle of the night. There's a bunch to talk about, honestly. We're just talking some nonsense right now, people. This is a pretty pretty big week, actually, this past week. I'd say. I would say so. And this week. Yeah. Started off strong. Oscar nominees. We had a developer direct. Mm -hmm. Jordan and I watched slash played slash listened to some stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Luke's listened to watched and played more than ever this week. I'm not sure about that. I, I just put um, that out there. I'm not sure about that either. All right. I'll I have to ask All right. <laughs> I'll have to ask you about it before I say that next have, time. He, he's coming in here in a minute. I'll, I'll ask him. <laughs> okay. Well. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Then let's, uh, let, let's get into it. Talk about what we've been watching slash playing slash listening to. Uh, what you been listening to, Jordan? Uh, not too much. <laughs> not too much. I, I've uh, knew uh, Peter Bradley Adams. Uh, say thing came out last week, which is, which is cool. Is for for him, it's been a while since uh, since the last thing he's come out with, maybe like three or four years, and so it's good uh, that it looks like he's back songwriting again or recording at least. Uh, it's, the song's called uh, "Cold Hands." Peter Bradley Adams is like that sort of like folky sort of tinged southern thing you either like or you don't if you like one song you like them all he's like folksy emo i would call him Mm. femo folksmo (laughs) i don't know femo i like femo yeah i like femo it's good i like it but it's one of those things where yeah if you listen to it and you're like yeah this is fine then keep going keep walking buddy (laughs) because (laughs) it's all like that (laughs) and that's fine how about you right um kind of a similar vein to old pete um this guy tyler childers i think i've mentioned him before but i really like his stuff he's like kind of even more southern i think than uh peter he's some would probably say he's country. Um, I don't know. It's like country southern. It's like he's got he's got the southern accent, um, but very much um, in the singer songwriter style of music. I think kind of uh, reminds me a little bit of um, Civil Wars. Okay. Um, 
good thing. I'm trying to see who else people say he's like. A um, bunch of people. No one's going to know. <laughs> um, what's the guy we were talking about that uh, played that, that album with uh, Justin Timberlake? I was just talking mm-hmm. about his album. Um, Mr. Tennessee that, uh, Whiskey Man. Tennessee Whiskey, yeah, yeah. Stapleton, Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton, you got it there. Yeah, Tyler Child is a lot, lot similar to that. Nose on the Grindstones, a song I was listening to just recently. But uh, yeah, I, he's somebody I keep having songs pop up in my for you that I, 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 I haven't taken time to like deep dive on his catalog, and uh, I want to do that. Because there's enough songs now that I've heard it that it's like, okay, I, I like his stuff. I I'm should do it, for real. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm just sharing that with you guys so you can go on that journey with me. Let's go. Yeah, let's right do now. it. Cool. What you been watching a plan, Jordan? Um, let's see. Um, <clears throat> Amber and I uh, watched. finally got around to watching the Scott Pilgrim Takes Off Um series that's on netflix it's uh so they basically made an anime about it it's interesting it's in the style of like the original uh comics and also the video game that came out after the movie it's in that same kind of stylings um yeah we enjoyed it very much i'm a huge huge fan of scott pilgrim versus the world um that movie was like it was just it's one of those time and place kind of things like See, I think that movie came around, came out around my birthday. I saw it and I was like, this is for me. Like the, all the, you know, rock music, video yeah. game stuff, anime stuff all in there. And the humor was there. And a lot of people that I think are funnier in there and uh, just great. I, I love Edgar Wright. I love that movie. It's fantastic. I was like the same age as Scott when that movie came out, <laughs> like his character. And so like, yeah. I love that. And so this mo- this uh, show, um, I'm really pleased with it, uh, mainly because, like, you know, starting to watch it, I was like, okay, yeah, this is an adaptation. It's really it's good. You know, there's, you know, a few new things here, and the animation's extremely pleasant, extremely good to look at. Uh, but then all of a sudden, it takes a turn, and you're like, oh, this is not an adaptation of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. It's like almost like an Elseworlds story, like an alternate universe story like what if it happened this way and i really appreciate that because you know that's how i am usually with adaptation like i generally if you know a thing like that exists and they were like we're gonna do an anime of it and it's just the same thing but it's an anime especially when scott pilgrim is like a live action anime in and of itself it's like it's unnecessary and so i'm pleased to know that it's pretty much a completely different thing and uh very funny have all the it has got all the same actors doing the voices um edgar wright's heavily involved um so it's right up that same alley and uh yeah we enjoyed it quite a bit it was great eight episodes it's easy watch um pretty sure that's it i I mean i think it like leaves it open just just enough to where it's like if they want to do more they can which i'd be down for but um but as is yeah very satisfying um i listened to a uh Edgar Wright interview a mm. little while back, um, movies that made you show. And, uh, yeah, he's a cool guy. He's got a lot of cool things. He was talking about the needle drops <laughs> in movies where like the song, like, you know, 
impacts the scene and it's like that song hits and like it just connects really well with that scene and I don't know he just had so many of them he was like a just a a wealth of knowledge on music and movies um it was cool there's been I mean there's obviously been so many movies of his that I've liked so it was cool to kind of get to know him he sounded like kind of a, a bird of the same feather as you and I with uh yeah. with movie tastes and and uh He's born in 1974, so he's he's definitely older than us. But he's a younger director, especially for as much success as he's had. So it's cool. Yeah. Absolutely, I can tell the music is important. Done a lot like, of good stuff. Uh, they he put a lot of attention into the music of that show because all the music that's in it are songs and music from that time period. You know, not like it's a period piece, but 2009 is when that movie came out and they're like, this is set in 2009. And so you got like, you know, Tegan and Sarah, like that sort of like indie rock kind of stuff all throughout. And so, yeah, music's obviously important to him. And yeah, there's not been a great movie that I have not at the very least liked, (laughs) you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, other than that, let's see, I've been, playing Baldur's Gate 3 still a lot that's the game that I stayed up late playing because like I think I got to a point where that's the thing about the game that is hard you know there's certain games that I'll play like say on my lunch break or whatever work from home Um, but Baldur's Gate's hard to do hard to do that with because it's really made for like longer play sessions because you'll sit down and like You'll get in like get involved in like a dialogue tree, and that'll take like five minutes, maybe, depending on like how hard you think. Sometimes I'll sit and think about the responses. It'll be like, because a lot of times they seem important, so I'm like, what do I want to say? And um, and also the battles can take long if you're real if you're really trying hard to be decisive like if you're like indecisive about what to do like sometimes you'll be like how do i want to approach this and yeah and so i i I meant for to play for like an hour or so and i ended up playing till like 2 30 at night and you know it is what it is (laughs) i'm 50 (laughs) hours into the game i feel like i'm at the halfway point but i'm not really sure um exactly i've heard it's pretty long yeah, I feel like it definitely can be. Um, there are certain points in the game where it's like if I I miss something, like in the game where what I'm, in my playthrough right now, I miss something. Like I definitely, and it cost me a party member, where not in a way where it's like they died, but they were like, "Hey, this happened. We have we like I wasn't able to do this, and so I'm gonna have to stay here or whatever," and so. It's one of those things where I was like, yeah, and I'm not, it's like, wait, whatever I did to not be able to fix why that character had to stay was way too far for me to like say reload. And so I was like, okay, that's how yep. it's going to be. I got other party members. Um, sad to see you go, but bye. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where it's like, there's a weightiness to it. Not like stressful weightiness, but like. I don't know, man. I I really am loving the game for the big moments and the small moments. There's like this, I'm kind of like making my character, he's mostly a warlock, but he's partially a bard. And um, there's this other bard character that was playing. She was like gone through a lot and she's like taking care of these kids. 
and she's like, I'm trying playing them songs, but I don't know if it's helping or just they're humoring me. I don't know. I wish I had another bard to play with. I don't know. And so she started playing this song on her lute and I just was like, you know what? Let me try this. I take out my violin and I, because it tells you what song she's playing and I played the same songs and it just started accompanying her like the same yeah. song and it just accompanied the violin accompanied her lute. And I was like, whoa, this is freaking awesome. And then like <laughs> I stopped and then I talked to her afterwards. I didn't know if it was going to be anything, but then like it became a big dialogue moment where she was so grateful that I played with her because yeah, I don't know. That was <laughs> such a cool thing. Um, moving on from that, I don't want to talk about Baldur's Gate every single week. Um, <clears throat> I talked to you about this a little bit, Luke, you know, Every now and then we just have the emulation corner with Jordan about me emulating crap. Um, yeah. My recent fixation has been, you know, emulating on the uh, Xbox, but specifically there's something I'm fascinated about this specific era of gaming. It was like mid to late nineties where I feel like the video game industry was like, okay, we're doing pretty good. The Nintendo, the uh, Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis came out and that's kind of where we're at. Everyone's making all these games and they're playing real well with each other. Right. And right. then they're at a point where like they're trying to be like, okay, what's next? What does gaming look like moving forward? What's the future of video games? And I feel like there was just this big scramble of all these different companies trying to figure out what that was until the PlayStation came out. And I feel like once the PlayStation like the PlayStation came out, the N64 came out. And the N64 was kind of like an oddball, but after that, I think people were like, "Okay, I think we pretty much figured out this whole gaming industry thing for the most part." But <laughs> before that, it's wild. I love it. It is crazy, the Wild West. And what I'm talking about specifically are the not Nintendos and not Segas. Actually, no, Sega too. Sega is a big part of this. So they came out with the Sega Genesis. But while they were trying to figure out what their next steps were, they were like, okay, let's add on to the Sega Genesis. Let's do the Sega CD. Then we'll add on to that and do the Sega 32X. And then they had other companies jumping in, like Atari, who were like, we've been dormant for the longest time. We don't know what we're doing. Let's come out with uh, the Atari Jaguar. And then all yep. these other companies so like, like in between stuff, in between stuff. And we got these other yep. CD based like consoles like the, the Panasonic 3DO, the the Philips CDI just being like, is this the future? Uh, you know what I mean? And just like putting mm -hmm. this stuff out there and like seeing like what they do with it. And so, like, I don't know if we have, like, younger audiences or anything like that, but, like, who are, like, are, like, what in the world are you talking about? But it's, the thing about yeah. this is crazy. It's ancient it, history, really. It really point. is. It, it's fascinating, like, playing some of these games. TurboGrafx-16. TurboGrafx-16, and they, that came TurboGrafx-16, yeah, <laughs> TurboGrafx-16 CD add-on, it's, like, it. It's a wild, wild thing. I mean, the reason why... It's, it's a like, cool thing to look back on. Even if you're not nostalgic, yeah. I think it just, it's interesting just to see what the tech was like back then. And a lot of this is, like, lost. I mean, like, these these when they talk about, like, games that, like, just fall away 
these are at the top of the list because for starters, th- they were trying to figure out how to make video games. And like, let's use the Atari Jaguar, for example. They didn't know what they were doing. Like as far as like <laughs> making a console that people wanted to develop for that they could utilize because at the time, you know, this was off the backs of the 16 bit era. And they were like, you know, we're a 64 bit machine. And like the way they, they were technically, but not in a way that anybody can utilize because like the architecture of it was a, a monster was insane. Frankenstein monster. And it didn't have very many games on it. Like at all, like you could easily go through the list and be like, there it is. That's everything. So they had like very little third party support, no Japanese support. And, like, nobody knew how, even they didn't know how to, like, make a game that's, like, doesn't look like it could run on a Super Nintendo, basically. Mm-hmm. There's some, yeah. like, exceptions to that, of course. And, like, where it's, like, here's really crappy polygonal 3D, you know, and it just looks horrible. <laughs> but it's just wild to see, like, these half steps. And the Sega CDs. So, okay, for instance, there's a game called like hook right hook came out for the super super nintendo and the sega genesis and they were just like here's hook on the sega cd all it is is the exact same game but because it's running on a cd they'll like put the soundtrack of the movie as like the music as like the music for it and every now and then there'll be voiceovers but it's like the dissonance is like insane because you're looking at these 16 bit side scrolly characters and you'll hear a John Williams score over it with like every now and then like this disembodied voice acting over it. It's just, it's so (laughs) odd, so weird to play stuff like that. And then of course everyone's like, Holy crap, CDs, they can play video. And so full motion video is running rampant. They don't know what to do with it. They try to like integrate it into the games as much as they possibly can. Like, I was playing like uh, uh, for the Sega CD. I was playing the Three Ninjas game. C- shout out CJ. It was Three Ninjas Kickback on Sega CD, <laughs> and like you're playing through it, and then like all of a sudden, like Grandpa, like a video clip of Grandpa will like superimpose itself onto the screen and like give you some instructions. You're like, okay, boys, this is what you have to do next. And you're like, what? It's like this live action thing paste it over the 16 bit it's it's hilarious i love it I, I know this is taking a long time but all this to say is like i've been like really like it's really hard to actually emulate some of this stuff because a lot of the bios you need and like the files you need to like get the foundation for these games to actually run on if you have something that can run on and the xbox can do it so the sega cd i'm sorry the cdi was the biggest one for me trying to get this to run. The main thing why this was my quest is because I felt like I needed to play these games that were released on it, which were two, no, sorry, three Zelda games and one Mario game. It's the weirdest thing of all time. The fact that these games exist feel unholy. It feels weird and unreal because... One, they're horrible. They're an abomination. They're nothing like any Zelda game you ever played, any Mario game. Nintendo doesn't have anything to do with the creation of them. They basically said, okay, we were have Phillips. Hi, we had some dealings. Sure, you know what? You can use some of these characters for your games. 
and nothing like that would ever happen now. And so that's in and of itself also makes it crazy. The fact that these games exist, being able to play them, I can't say is a delight, but it is, it's something that like, I feel felt like I needed to do. It's, it's crazy. Look up what I'll say. Don't do what I do. You don't need to do this. I was, I had a weird obsession about it. Just look up clips online of Zelda faces of evil and sorry, link faces of evil and Zelda, the wand of Gamelon. And you'll know, you'll see all you need to see the terrible side scrolling <laughs> gameplay in oh my gosh and cut scenes that need it's to like be the magic seen. school bus. It's like <laughs> if the magic school bus melted, you know, or it was melting basically. It's like a Saturday morning cartoon done huh. by AI. Like the background something. looks so different than the foreground. Right. I looked, I, I watched strange. a video on this. Apparently like the people who made those don't know how to make video games. They do were like, we don't know how to do this where it's like most. It just 2D, looks hand drawn. Right? It I is mean, hand drawn. That's not how these games work. They usually are work on a grid and build the levels. But these people, right. they said, here are these hand-drawn paintings. Make levels out of them. <laughs> and that's not, that doesn't work. Yeah. And, huh. uh, yeah, they control horribly. Plus, that's a terrible name. Faces of Evil? Faces what? of Evil. I, I, I don't know. I don't even know, man. It's wild. And there's a Mario game, which is way less bad, but still bad in like a, the wand of Gamelon. yeah <laughs> it's wild look this stuff up you listeners at home huh. just watch youtube clips there's plenty of ridicule that you'll find online of these and right very so. strange yeah go to knowyourmeme.com it's got the faces of evil cut screens yeah. It's, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> too much teeth. Way too much teeth. Everyone's like so in your face and creepy in those cutscenes and weird and just. There's a guy on a floating carpet. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 hard to it's hard to wrap your head around it really and just to know wow. that that's something that was sh- sanctioned. Honestly, I can see as a kid back then being like, wow, this looks really good. No, that that's the thing. Like stuff on the Sega CD, for instance, specifically, I remember I played something on there. It was called Road Avengers, where it's very much like here's this animation of a driving guy just trying to in a car chase. And all it is is just the a, a video and it tells you some directions and buttons to hit and whether or not you press the prompt correctly decides whether or not a crash happens or it continues basically. It's really simple. But when I when I was a kid, I would have thought that was awesome. Like I would have yeah. been like, "This is so sweet." And so, like so many of those things, like I can see why a lot of this stuff was made. Like where people's head was at, heads were at. But it's like at the same time, it's obviously not the the, the right step for the video game industry. And I feel like that figured itself out as far as like what people want and how. You know, because I think if I had that when I was a kid, I would have been like, this is awesome for like a little while. And then I would have been like, yeah, I kind of see this for what it is. There were so many things of back then where you could tell that 
people were just trying to do everything they could with the technology to make it impressive. Yes. And this is a, one of those examples where, you know, it, it happened in video games, it happened in movies, it happened in um, even TV shows. It's like they they just could only do so much with computers back then. They just that just wasn't the software development. That's why there were so many people developing software. That's why so many people who develop software back then, whether it's for video games, like I was just reading when, when I was looking back at the console generations, I was looking at like Bobby Kodak and he had connections to like Steve jobs and Steve jobs is actually the one who came to Bobby Kodak, who is the, you know, recently ousted Activision CEO who had all the lawsuits against him, but him and his buddy started their company back then. And, and, I don't know. I feel like this connects with this. It's like that's a perfect example where there was all these opportunities because people saw how big computers were going to be and video mm-hmm. games were right there, you know, along with it. And this is a perfectly good example. This Faces of Evil thing. I'm watching all these cutscenes still. But it's a perfectly good example of where the technology just – it just wasn't there. But, like, right. I remember, you know, whether it was um, Game Boy, um, Virtual Boy or – as the Game Boy went from Game Boy to Game Boy Color to then, you know, Virtual Boy or Virtual Boy. And then uh, what was the uh, what was the next what was the next handheld Game Boy Advanced, I guess. Game Boy Advanced, um, yeah. Each time it got it got a little bit better. It was like it was such a big deal for you as a kid buying these consoles. Like I remember how big of a deal it was when I saw somebody who had a Game Boy Color moving from a Game Boy where it's backlit, it's color. It was like it was a huge deal. It's like people have no idea what that's like now. Kids, obviously, nowadays, you know, it's a cliche to say it, but it's so true. You have no idea what it's like to have technology advancing as quickly as it was between the years of like, let's say, 1986 or something up till like 2004 or something when, you know, around the time like the 360 and and the Wii and all that came. That that was kind of when technology kind of got to a place where it's just incrementally improving. But before then. You know, the Xbox, the PS2, those were huge leaps. And then, huge. you know, the 360 and PS3 was was a was a massive jump. But before then, like, this kind of stuff, people just don't understand. If you were looking at this in, what, what was this, like, 91 or something? If you were looking at this in 91, it would be impressive because you were so used to these terrible pixelated graphics mm-hmm. and just awfulness. And so to have something that looked like your Saturday morning cartoon in your video game, as stupid as it looks now, and as much as we make fun of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just restating what you said, but yeah, it's just, it's funny having that perspective as a kid where, you know, you watch those X-Men cartoons on Saturday and you watch stuff, like I said, like the magic school bus. And it's like, that stuff is cool for you. It's really cool because Mm -hmm. it's, it's content written for kids your age that just connects with you. And especially like the cool stuff like Spider-Man and X-Men, like I didn't get to even watch that stuff because I had local channels. So whenever I got to see that, whenever I got to go over to a buddy's house, it was huge. And these these video games, I, I would have thought this was the coolest freaking thing in the world, I guess is what I'm circling back around to. Right. Even was... though it, it's just so stupid. I mean, what are this? What is this? Right. It's like a pig with a diamond in his eye. Like, it's happening. <laughs> it's like some kind of fever dream of you on ecstasy. It's so weird. Yeah, like uh, Amber was sitting there watching me play some of it. I was playing Sega Saturn games. Like I was playing uh, Panzer Dragoon on Sega Saturn. And so the thing is, it's, it's Saturn games look a little unique because like they're on the right course. It isn't like yeah. so off course like the Saturn. CDI and the 
and like a lot of the other stuff it was like you know it just came out at a weird time and like that's a lot yeah. of things like just didn't get the support yeah didn't get the support came out like just in the same thing as the dreamcast it just came out the wrong time like it's like almost like crap we missed the cycle it's like but anyways yeah. like she was looking the at genesis it, she was like, just hit so well but the saturn just mm-hmm. died on the vine yeah, it's like they kept the Genesis around too much. It was like they almost came out too early yeah. almost. It's weird. But like Amber was watching me play it and she was like, oof. And like, but I was like able to be like, oh, okay. At at the time, this was insane. Like Panzer Dragoon at the time, like it's super yeah. like, like it, the the detail was insane. Obviously the the lot of jaggies and those uh chunky jaggies and those uh, sega saturn games but at the time man holy i remember thinking panzer dragoon was just the coolest like i didn't play it but i saw stuff from it i was like oh man this freaking sorry about that we had some technical issues um but i think we've said enough about all the crazy emulation stuff i've been getting into luke what have You've you been, been having watching? fun. That's what I've been having. I, I have been having a blast. It's great. Sometimes I'm like, when I get one of these to work, I'm just like, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> to me, what have you been watching slash playing, Luke? It's a fun problem to have. I understand. I get it. Um, a couple things. Airheads. I went back and watched that movie, um, realizing. You know, 10, 15 minutes in. Oh, I've seen this movie. (laughs) It's another one of those movies that I clicked on thinking, oh, yeah, I got to see this one. There's so many people in it I know. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I remember this. So just to give people a little quick glimpse into what this movie is, just a freaking snapshot of the very early 90s, 1994. Um it's got so many of the people that, you know, people of that age would know. Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, um, Michael McKean, which he did some stuff with SNL, Judd Nelson, of course, Ernie Hudson, the, the Ghostbuster himself. <laughs> uh, Reggie Cathy, who I, I actually got to know him from House of Cards, but he's, he's done a lot of things before that. Um, David Arquette's in it. Joe uh, Man- Mantegna, I think that's how you say his name. Alan Covert, who, he's funny. He, uh, what is he from? He's he's from Grandma's Boy. He's in Fifty First Dates. He's one of those uh, uh, buddies okay. of Adam Sandler that's in so many of those. Happy Madison production guys. Yeah, yeah. The Murder Mystery, Wrong Missy, Hoobie Halloween, Blended, all that stuff. Um mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, it's just a it's just a real fun time capsule of 1994. Just kind of my favorite way of phrasing a lot of these movies, where it's like, is the movie great? Eh, no, but that makes it up <laughs> for it, and just how awesome it is right. with with all that early 2000s or you know, in this case, early 90s references, and and just getting to see all these people that you know we grew up with with so many movies they were starring in. Um, a lot of people from SNL really are following that, you know, that that ni- mid '90s to, to early 2000s range. A lot of the people in SNL did a lot of movies because they, you know, were buddies with all the producers thanks to SNL. <laughs> right. um, Adam Sandler and Chris Farley, obviously, being two two big ones from that. Um, 
but Brandon Frazier, it's cool to see him in, in kind of his younger age heyday of, of making fun, silly movies. He's just, he's a funny guy. Just like, there's something about him. He reminds me of, there's, there's so many actors where you just kind of see him. Steve Buscemi's kind of that way too, where you see him and it's just, you kind of, you kind of laugh to yourself like, oh, this is going to be great. Whatever he's going to do, it's going to be funny. Um, and Adam Sandler is that way as well. So, oh yeah. Yeah, Airheads is a lot of fun. It's just a silly movie about a band that holds up a radio station to get their stuff played, and it just descends into madness. <laughs> it's early career for uh, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, yeah. Well, for for a lot of them, really. I mean, mm-hmm. ninety four. They're they're all looking pretty young. Um, I'm saying there's movie career. Yeah. Yeah, this one. I don't know how much I have to say. Really, we we started True Detective Night Country and. I, I don't think it's for me. I just, I I hate to like dismiss something as quickly. Um, I don't know if I gave it a a, a fair shake. Um, probably watched twenty five, maybe thirty minutes of it, and I don't know. It's one of those shows. I just, it's like, is it bad? No, I wouldn't say it's bad, but it just wasn't interesting, you know. Like, it just didn't catch my attention. It just was kind of like, so far I don't really care too much about anything that's happening. And unfortunately, there's just too much to watch. And I, I really, I hate to say that. I, I think of how much work must have gone into filming this. Like I said, I listened to the director interview and it's like, I can see as a director or producer, you hear somebody like complain about your show and it's like, do you not understand? We spent nine months on location (laughs) filming in complete darkness away from our family. Like this, you know, obviously took a lot to write this and, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I listen to people complain and that's my thoughts. It's like, do you understand how hard these people worked? And you're just sitting there whining, sitting on your couch going, Oh, this, this is crap. It's like, no, it's not crap. Is it for me? No, but I'm not going to sit here and say like this is this is a terrible show or anything. Um, I think this very well could have an audience. Um, for me personally, it's not it's not the True Detective I wanted. Now it may get a lot better, you know. Later on, I just it didn't catch me in the beginning, and I think there's other things I want to watch and spend my time with. And so, you know, like I said, I feel a certain level of guilt saying that, but it's just the way it is, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, I don't think I'm going to continue that. So, okay. Yeah. Well, all trying. those conditions being said, that's how I feel. <laughs> you give it a shot. Um, yeah, we watched a show. It's probably not really worth my time either, but it's <laughs> super silliness. It's called the floor and it's on Fox streaming on Hulu. Rob Lowe hosts. It's a competition show, um, where it's kind of an interesting concept that kind of, kept our attention for a little bit at least we've watched the first episode so <laughs> i haven't watched a lot but it's they get people to you know apply to be on the show and they say you know you have to bring a certain level of expertise to trivia in a certain category and there's 81 contestants and each one has to be an original category so one might be dogs or dresses or one was I thought the weirdest thing is called Nepo Babies. It was like What? What a strange thing to have a specialty knowledge of trivia of Nepo I'm babies. All about those. Um but you know, there was cars and sports and um fashion designers and 
Yeah, all those kind of things. So the idea is there's like a randomizer. It like goes around the board. Everyone's standing on this floor with like lit up things, and it says their category that they're good at. So each person represents that spot in the floor. So the randomizer picks someone, and then they they go up with Rob Lowe, and Rob Lowe says, "Hey, you know, you you know, introduces them, yada yada," and then. That the randomizer, this is at least how it starts in the beginning, then picks another block. And then they, or no, no, sorry. The person that's picked, they can only pick adjacent squares. That's right, to them. So hmm. not not diagonally, but, you know, adjacent, straight adjacent. You mean, in other words, a wall of their square hits that other person. So then they say, okay, I want to challenge the person that's an expert in dogs. And so the expert of dogs comes up and then they have this, it's like a 30, 40 second thing where it's like these images are put up. Usually if it's like dogs, it'd be like different dog breeds and you have to call out the dog breed. And then if you call it out, your timer stops and then it goes to the next person and their time starts winding down and they have to, you know, that's a bulldog and then it stops their clock. So the person that can answer them fast enough, you know, obviously holds on to more time and the person that doesn't answer it fast enough, their time goes down to zero. And mm. once one person's time goes to zero, that person loses. And then the other person gains their square on the floor. So you build up more and more territory on the floor until you're the final one, you know, king of the hill kind of style. So it's kind of fun. Hmm. Okay. Once you've beaten that person, then your territory expands and then you have more categories to pick from. And, uh, and and then if that person beats you, they steal all your territory at one time, and you're just gone. So as soon as you're as soon as you lose, you're out. So sounds similar yeah, to like a board game, like a live board game yeah. almost. Yeah, yeah, you could you could call it that. It's it's fun enough. I mean, you know, there's there's so many of these game shows that are trying to find original things. There's so many versions of the voice and hear your voice and you know people dressed up in costumes basically it's like the uh-huh. version where there's like actual people there and there's people that like they form teams and then there's the ones where they're people in costumes and i don't know i feel like that category ever since american idol it's like it's just a different version of american idol you know at least so of the american yeah. versions and i don't know they're fine i mean you know i've i've talked about it a lot on the show those those shows are fine but you know i did reach kind of my fill you know maybe i'll dip back into that category again but you know when it comes to game shows it's like i just don't i don't find it interesting to to watch that at this moment like i said unless you know something new comes out or maybe there's somebody i really enjoy watching on those shows um but for the most part right now (laughs) you know i'm off that trend and you know i don't watch a lot of game shows but sometimes something like this comes along it's like Eh, it's interesting enough. I'll give it some of my time. So, yeah, they're fun. Yeah, it can be fun. I don't know. Not a lot to say there. Um, that's it of what I've been watching. I wanted to talk about the uh, developer direct. Yeah. If you want to talk about that real quick. Absolutely. Love to. Um. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, go uh, ahead. I watched this live as I was kind of like working, but I had it up. Yeah. I watched uh, some of it live. They did one of these last year, right? This is where they like they the last developer direct they did. They that's where they shadow dropped Hi-Fi Rush, right? Or did I skip one? Yep. Yeah. Same time, same bat station. Just yeah. a year later. It's kind of cool. Um, I appreciate the format. It's a little different than I think what a lot of the other companies do. It's different than like a direct or a state of play or whatever. It's very 
the format is very much like, okay, it tells you what to expect, but also there's going to be maybe a surprise, you know, that's. And the developers get to like speak directly to their product versus like the head of the company coming up with some speech, which is interesting. I think, I think it works in some, some of the circumstances and in some of the circumstances it's like, Oh, that person probably shouldn't have been the person to present this. Right. (laughs) Not their forte as much. Yeah, um, but I, I actually, yeah, I'm a fan of the format when it's when it's presented in this way. A lot of times, if I'm like watching like a big show, like whether it be a state of play or, for instance, like the Game Awards, whenever it's like they, whenever something comes on that looks a lot like this, I'm like, uh, okay, because it slows down the pace so much. But when the whole thing is this, it kind of lets you appreciate what they're doing with it but yeah i mean i i like the format um so yeah i'm happy with it kind of continuing um what was the first game they showed it was um avowed right Mm, yeah i guess so i couldn't remember i feel like Um, visions of mana was early too but i think it was like two in then they started talking about visions of mana like slotted itself in but um, what did you think of Avowed? This is a game we've talked about for a long time. I think we both have, have had some anticipation of it, and I think this, this is definitely the best uh, showcase of it that we've gotten so far as far as what the game gameplay is like. Um, you know, Avowed's one that I had a lot of hopes and dreams set on, and um, I wasn't super impressed by that. I think the uh, the setting looks cool. The graphics, the environment looks interesting. I think the combat looks completely uninspired and kind of boring. Um, so, you know, I I, ho- I hold hope that there's a lot that's going to be improved and developed and evolved with this. Um, but, you know, fall 2024, it's coming fast. So I don't know how much exactly is going to change. Um, I would say my general feeling is is worried at this moment for that game. I think it's changed a lot from what they originally promised, and I am concerned about the final product. Um, you know, uh, Obsidian makes good games, so I, I, I enjoyed The Outer Worlds a lot, and so I I hope that it's something like that. If it, if it was an Outer world set in, you know, this mystical, you know, fantasy-type world... That's great. You know, that's all I'm really looking for. Um, I had kind of hoped it to be on a bigger scale than Outer Worlds, but it feels like, from what they've said recently, that that's where it's on track to be. So I think my anticipation has uh, lowered since then because of that. Um, But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Something I have kind of realized is that fantasy is so hard to make when it comes to like catching the imagination of people and getting people really excited about what you're doing. I think in every genre, because like you make Lord of the Rings and it's succeed, like it exceeds all expectation, blows everyone away. And from that moment forward, every other fantasy thing that comes out will be compared to Lord of the Rings. And I think we have a similar situation with Skyrim and now Baldur's Gate where 
those were the big Mac daddies in uh, in the video game world when it comes to fantasy RPG. Um, and yeah, um, you're gonna. I think a lot of people are gonna be comparing them to that, especially this like Skyrim. You know, with kind of like the way, um, you know, it's first person and whatnot. But it's tough. I don't know. It's tough to do it. Um, I it, it's gonna be hard to say until I get my hands on it. I think there's some aspects that look cool. Um, like, you know, like I think the, the combat situations could be good. I, it's hard to say, you know, until, especially with a game like this, you know, when it comes to like first person combat, when it's like this kind of stuff, you can see gunplay and kind of see it and kind of understand and trust what you're seeing as far as how it's going to play. But when it comes to stuff like this, where you're like, okay, and you're dual wielding wands and one, or you have a hammer in one hand and a wand in the other, or you're just dual wielding like pistols or something. It's like, it's hard to kind of (laughs) know how it's all going to feel once you're actually playing it, you know? So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, There wasn't anything about it that made me go like, or anything like that. But it's like you said, like we had certain hopes for it and, you know, we're... Well, at first they used the word quad A when they first announced that this game was coming. So it's it's very concerning to go from quad A to it being like a short, lesser game. Right. kind of what they, they have said. Right, right. And, you know, that that's that's the thing. It's like to have this sort of look and feel for a game like that, you know, especially coming down from quad A, you know, that's a little disappointing, you know, to to yep. hear for a game like this. We all want big, like, big fantasy games where you can roam around this world and feel like you have a place in it, and you know, but... The example of the combat that they showed just looks so vanilla and bland. The enemy was standing there most of the time just, oh, oh, hit me. And it was like, okay, is that really, is it just going to be lizards just standing there not doing anything? So that was the kind of thing I was like, okay, maybe this could change a lot. And they're just trying to do a tiny little thing. And this is very early on and you're going to level up and level up. You have something like, uh, What's the name of the the roguelike that came out that won Game of the Year last year? 80s. Oh, wait. Um, no, last that was, year? That was like three years ago. Last year was Elder Scrolls. Um, Elden. Elder Scrolls. Elden Ring. Elden Ring. Jeez Elden Ring is the game I'm thinking of. <laughs> the Skype is giving me that echo thing again, which is just the absolute worst. Um on, Skype. But yeah, you have a game like Elden Ring, and and like you had said about those other games, something like Elden Ring really sets your expectations high because, you know, for all the things that I didn't like about Elden Ring, obviously there was there was so many good things about it. But if even if you took away like all the complications and the things that made the game so impressive, if you just boil it down to just look at these cool enemies, go up and fight them. That was awesome. That was what yeah. was so cool about that game. It was like yes. this core, like tiny little thing was fun to do. And then there's all the systems and the leveling up and all the bosses and like all the the story and all this like journey you're going on. If you take all that away just down to the basic combat, it was really good. And that's what I hoped Avowed could be. Like you don't have to do as big as Elden Ring. You don't have to have this massive world like they do with all these different like 
caves and like nooks and crannies where there's all this crazy stuff that happens and you have like the multiplayer when other people can jump into your game and all of a sudden fight you like that's fine like that stuff's cool but it's fine i don't have to have it at skyrim level or elden ring level but you do have to get the i walk up to this like crazy spider like thing and i enjoy fighting him he's challenging i feel like i'm gonna die and from that little snippet which is a tiny little example, but hey, it's what they brought out, you know, as their example of their game. So it's what I have to judge it on. It didn't look enjoyable like Elden Ring did on that basic level. And that's right. what got me very worried about the game. It looked very vanilla. Yeah, I I see what you're talking about. I I agree. Um but you know, so hopefully it evolves and it gets better. And they just they gave us a tiny little window, and it doesn't show, you know, all the potential of it. And that's you know, I still hold hope for that. But I'm definitely concerned after seeing that. Okay. Well, here's hoping for you know us to be hopefully uh, <laughs> surprised. Maybe. Uh, Sinua Saga, Hellblade Two. This is the first game we've seen we saw for the Xbox Series X. This was like the first, like the the, yep. the Game Awards same year, same like event it was announced in the console, and so it's been a it's been a road to get here to the point where it's coming out in um, I guess like four months at this point. Um, what are your feelings on how the game looks so far? So far, <laughs> it's almost here. Um, it. I mean it. it I think it visually it looks really good. Uh, you know, I have I have such a mixed relationship with Hellblade when I talk about it because I, you know, I played the first game and I I got to a point where I I realized it just wasn't my kind of game. <laughs> it just wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't interesting enough for me. I don't. I don't know. I I feel bad saying it. There's so many people that love that game, but I just wasn't one. I just didn't. The idea of like the, you know, what do you call it? Schizophrenia, like like whatever Dissonant the voices, mental, yeah. yeah, the like mental instability that they were trying to like show examples of. Like it just, I don't know. I feel weird saying it's off-putting, but it's like it's obviously it's it's meant to be off-putting because it's supposed to like put you in the shoes of somebody who's struggling with these kind of things, um, but. I don't know. I play my video games to enjoy them and have fun and like have a cool story told to me. And like, I, I don't really want to be in that headspace. So for that reason, it was like, I don't want to do this. You know, sometimes, like I said, like whether it's a movie, TVs, games, like I get into something and I decide pretty quickly. It's like, if I'm not enjoying it, I'm skipping out of it. And so like, that's kind of how I was with Hellblade two or Hellblade. And so, you know, the next game, like, I'm excited of it for Xbox. I want it to be good. I want people to get what they like. And I, I love the, how the graphics look awesome. But honestly, I feel like I'm just a passenger in the backseat kind of watching that ship coming. So I don't know. I feel like I'm not the best person to, like, ask about this. Because for me, it's just like, oh, wow, that looks cool. <laughs> That's what I get out of it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm similar to you when it comes to my experience with Hellblade, uh, Sinua Sacrifice. Like... Um, I played probably about like three, maybe four hours of it before I kind of stopped. I mean, the the reason being is that, you know, it got to a point with this, like, 
the tone kind of clashed with a lot of like the the puzzle aspect of it to me because like so the thing is is like I'm I could be completely fine going through an experience where I'm just like constantly experiencing things and being unsettled and all that stuff for however long as long as I'm moving forward but when I started to get to a point where I'm like I can't figure out this puzzle and then the game is constantly like droning over me with the dissident voices yeah I mean at at some point it became so unpleasant that I was like I I want to stop playing you know and I don't I don't want that to sound rude but it's like I'm trying it's like one of those things where it's like if I'm moving forward through this and I'm being unsettled but I feel like I'm moving forward it's it's you know that's that's a different story but if I'm like being frustrated as I'm trying to figure out this kind of cryptic puzzle Joe I can move forward that's you know that's where I was kind of like I'm gonna stop I'm just not I'm getting stressed out like I'm not really enjoying this right now and so that being said this other this game has an opportunity for me to like it um obviously no skin off its back a lot of people love these games but like for me if this game has a lot more form momentum and uh, less areas where I'm just like wandering around the same area for like 30 minutes just trying to figure out how to progress. I mean, I don't know if that means I'm stupid. Maybe I am when it comes to these puzzles or whatever. And I'm just like, I can't figure out how to move forward. You know, sure. But <laughs> at the same time, yeah, I mean, is this, like, is this a cinematic adventure or is it a puzzle game? Or, or is you know, what is it? A lot of games yes. that are... Yeah, I know it's all yes, and I yeah, there's like puzzle elements to so many games that are like God of War. There's a lot of times where you're moving forward and moving forward, but okay, you have to stop and figure out the environment around you before you're able to move forward. It's common, these kind of games. Uncharted, Last of Us, the list goes on and on and on. But there gets to a point where it's like if I'm bumping my head against it, there's one thing. But also, if the game is kind of screaming at me while I'm doing it, it's at a point where I'm just like, I'm so stressed out by it that it, it makes me kind of want to put it down. And like, I can get stressed out by yep. games. I, I put almost 100 hours into Elden Ring and beat it and everything. I'm fine with the challenge, but maybe this is, that's not the right challenge that I'm looking for. That's the kind of, like, I don't play The Witness, right? Like the game that's 100% puzzle. It's not for me. But I don't know. We'll see if this game, maybe this game's focus is different that I'll give it a shot. It's going to be, it's going to be on game pass. Obviously I'm going to give it a try. Um, visions of mana. Um, this was kind of like the surprise thing that where it's like, okay, we're going to talk about visions of mana. Um, yeah. Um, so this is not your, uh, tea to drink nope. Luke um, so I'll kind of speak to it's kind of my thoughts on it looks good I mean like uh, I'm not super well versed in the mana series I never beat Secret of Mana on the uh, Super Nintendo it's the one I have the most familiarity with I don't think I've played any other mana game other than Secret of Mana I've just several hours into that game but never beating it um, but this, I can just speak to how this game looks. It reminds me in, in look uh, kind of how uh, Tales of Arise is uh, looking with its uh, 
basically straight out of anime kind of art style, really colorful roaming around a world. You encounter an enemy and you kind of are free to fight the enemy within that space. Um, a lot more, you know, definitely kind of more of an action RPG than anything else. It looks good. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd be happy to play it. Just kind of see how it comes along as it, as it comes. Um, but yeah, I don't have I don't have an awful lot to say about it. Other than the fact that I am surprised, I was like, oh my god, when I saw it, I was like, is that going to be a Game Pass game because it just showed up here? Uh no, it's the only game that appeared that is not a Game Pass game. Um, I thought that was a little yeah surprising. Not so much the fact that it's like they can't do that. Every game doesn't have to be on freaking Game Pass. But I'm just saying, like, for to to have. It, it's like Xbox has almost put themselves in this position where, you know, we they have their either a showcase or developer direct and after that, every single thing is like on Game Pass, on Game Pass. And everyone's like, woo! But then the one thing comes along that isn't, you know what I mean? It just makes that one thing stick out. And so I'm not complaining that every game isn't on Game Pass and just when it's like that, it just makes it stick out a lot. It, it makes it odd just by comparison. You know, yeah, it's really all I'm saying. Let's that echoes see. so bad. I'm Everything sorry. I say is just coming back to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if this is for either of us. Aura History Untold. Um, it's the uh, real time or a strategy RPG one where it's like a lot like uh, what uh. Gosh, uh, Age of Empires, Civ. Civilization, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, the, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's on the scale of like games that are like within my wheelhouse. This is way on on the other end. Like for me, like there's like I, I don't know. It's right over right up there with yeah. like Sim See, this Sports. Is, this is where we kind of differ in that way. I love strategy. It's like one of my favorite things. And okay. Usually, if I ever play a mobile game, it's strategy. Um, Command and Conquer was like one of my favorite games on PC. I probably put most of my hours on PC when I did have a PC into that. Probably one of the reasons was because it took less to run it on a PC than it did a first-person shooter. But uh, yeah, I love I love strategy games. So you know, I don't I don't spend as much time playing strategy now because I just don't have as much time. And what time I do play, I usually sit down on my Xbox and play a uh, shooter. But yeah, I do love strategy. I find games like these are too in-depth. There's too many systems. It's Jeez, just too much. Um, as much as I like strategy, I feel like sometimes it would just be easier <laughs> if it was just simplified. I think I started playing Civilization on Xbox, and you know, I got some enjoyment out of it. But like I said, it was just so deep. It was like I just don't. I don't have time to set up systems, and you're what what is your strategy for your your production of wheat and do you want to focus on you know making clothes or do you want to focus on food development it was like there's too many questions guys like i just want to evolve and see my my city grow yeah so i don't know i love those kind of games but i like command and conquer where it was like okay you set up a strategy where it's like okay there's there's three armies they're building you know, you focus on, okay, I'm going to have these kind of troops, I'm going to do this, and then, okay, I'm going to go out now before they get too developed, and I'm going to attack this base of theirs. That That's the kind of strategy I like, and 
this game looks cool to me. Um, being someone who loves strategy, there was there was recently there was uh, Apple Arcade had this strategy game where you took took a civilization, you know, you built them up and they evolved, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but I like I liked that mobile version of it because it was much more simplified. Obviously, you know, you're just tapping on your phone, so it's like you can't really have too many menus and everything has to be smaller. Mm, um, yeah. So I think that's kind of my favorite one. It's kind of limited in that way. So I, I wish they'd bring something back like the old Command and Conquer, where it's just a simplified version. I don't know. It just it's too involved. It just it's just too much. Too many decisions to make with these kind of games. Um, um, like we always say, I'm glad for the people who enjoy it. Um, for the people who do, it's like oh my god, it's like, holy crap, I can do that? Yeah, it's like a yeah, dream yeah. for some people. And, it, and that we're like I said, with. it's really cool. I, I love strategy. I really do. There's a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people on podcasts saying, oh yeah, this isn't my kind of thing. And it's funny because it actually is my kind of thing. I, I really enjoy strategy. There's several mobile games I'm playing right now that are strategy. And it's kind of like RPG but on a much more like widespread oh, managing yeah. of a ton of people. <laughs> so it's it's kind of funny. There's there's strategy in RPG, and I think a lot of the strategy games really are strategy RPGs. It would be a better term for them. And uh, that's what I like. I mean, y- you like RPGs just like I do, and I, I like managing that. And I think it's, I don't know, it's cool when I like making decisions for like a group of people. Like, how are we going to develop this area to like prosper? And, you know, we got to find water and, was it I was playing um there's the Viking one right now it's it's not you're not managing a group but it's kind of like a Viking version of Minecraft where you you're building and you're developing like a farm area and you're I don't know I can't remember the name of it I've talked about it recently um it, it was PC only and then it mm-hmm. came to Xbox recently um yeah I'll look it up <laughs> but yeah it's probably not my kind of thing to answer your question i mean but i, I, I know what you're saying games. it's almost like it's strange because it's like you could be into something like command and conquer or age of empires and easily not be into this because again yeah as you say it's like how far we like for some people it's like amazing i can't believe i get to do this like how far we zoom the camera out like in like one thing it's like okay you're a battle strategist right and i'm here to you know get my army built up in and you know pit them against another army but then you zoom that out more and you're like okay i gotta manage like farmland and all that stuff then you zoom it out more and you're like i'm a freaking like politician all of a sudden and then more and you're like okay i'm like a guide over like this continent basically it's like and it's like and then you're all of those things as well (laughs) have to you know determine the outcome of the politics and then also the farmland and then also the battles and everything like that and that's when it's like it's almost like we're talking about a bunch of different kind of games almost you know it's like talking about someone who i don't know it's it it almost seems like such on such a different level it's a different genre you know it's valheim was the one i was gonna show you i don't i I don't know if it was worth sharing my screen but yeah, it's like this whole Norse mythology world, and you're like fighting monsters and building up your base and everything. I didn't even get that far in the story. I was mostly just like building my base. It's a cool game. Hmm. But, yeah. 
Um, let's see. What was the last one? Was the big one, right? The big one. Yep. Indiana yep. Jones definitely, and the I Great Circle. The highlight of the of the direct. Definitely, sure. definitely the most anticipated by everyone and saved for last because they know that. Luke, you're the biggest Indiana Jones fan I know. What did you think of uh, Indiana Jones: The Great Circle? I thought it looked great. Uh, you know, I think, you know, I obviously was looking forward to this reveal and kind of seeing what they they had planned because there was so little information about this game before now. It's basically just that one teaser from what I remember where it's like panning over the table and shows the whip yep. and stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, I think it looks great. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to know how it will play. Obviously people like to say that about these reveals, but, uh, you know, I think it looks as good as you really could have designed. <laughs> it's funny. I have a mixed relationship with this thing because honestly, I haven't, <laughs> I hate to say it, I haven't really enjoyed machine games that I've played before this. I I really didn't like the Wolfenstein. I, I, I played some of it. I just, I couldn't get behind it. It was like the art style or something about it. It just, I didn't think it, it, it didn't feel like a very good shooter. It wasn't the kind of shooter I liked. But then I look at this and it's like, you know, it looks great. I mean, it looks like another adventure. It looks like what I wish some of these movies had looked more like, you know, I, I wish they could have done maybe more of a younger centric <laughs> Indiana Jones. I basically wish they could have gone back to the 19 early 1990s and <laughs> done a, 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 a sequel or a prequel like this is to Indiana Jones back then. So for that, it, it kind of makes me excited. It's like, I, like I said, I, I it's, it's what I kind of wish they had made in the movie, but Hey, I get to play it in a game. So, it's not quite as good, but it's almost as good, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Hmm. I think it does does Indiana Indiana justice, you know, from as hard as it it would be to make a, a, a game about a movie that you know has so many different aspects to it. That I think it are, sometimes can be very hard to wrap up a movie in a game and find okay, what is the you know gameplay loop that we're going to use for a character like this. I think they did as good as it could have freaking done with the whip and the gun and, and how those things are combined. And I don't know. There's just a lot here that I don't know how you come away from this, not liking what you saw. I mean, if you didn't like that, that's you just don't like Indiana Jones. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it looks great. Yeah. Um, I similarly, I don't really have uh, really any complaints. Um, my whole thing is always, as always, is I'm not sure how much the first person will be for me. I'm not against first person games, obviously. I love Halo. Uh, there's a lot of other first person, like Skyrim. I play in first person. I don't freaking play in third person because it's not meant for that. Um, but when it comes to, like, it, it, I hear them like talk about it a lot because they they make it a really big decision in the 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 in the developer direct where they're saying like, we want you to feel like you are Indiana Jones and uh, that it's either going to be one way or the other for me, because when I'm first person, sometimes I feel like, yeah, I'm really, I am in master chief shoes. You know, I've, I feel like that during halo games, they do a really good job making me feel that way. But there are like other games like where I'm a known character and I'm like, and then it's a first person thing. And I'm like, 
I just kind of feel like I'm first person person. You know what I mean? I don't feel like I, I'm like uh, that person per se. Like I'm not like in that person's shoes. I'm just me. And then the camera zooms out. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in. I'm this character. Yeah. I don't know if this is going to be the case with this. It, it all just depends on execution and how it goes. You know, all often you know, like I feel like I'm more connected with the character when I'm like right there on its back. You know, like. Uh, uh, like Kratos, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm with this character. I, and you know, and I rarely, it's, it's a, it's more of a toss up. I feel with this, it's not always the case with the first person, of course, but, um, I'm just, you know, they, it's all again, all about execution. See how it does. They're doing this choice where it's like when you're doing like traversal things, it's gonna pull the camera out and have it be like third person. If you're like swinging across something on your whip or climbing a ladder or a building or something like that, it pulls the camera out and makes it third person. So that's interesting. I mean, that's probably good. I always feel like traversal always is better. You know, when it comes to third person, you know, first person platforming is not my favorite and so <laughs> i'm glad they yeah. made that decision story wise seems like it could be really cool i'm i don't you know they're leaving it a lot and like up to mystery as far as like what the the great circle is and all that which is for the best um but the tone is spot on um god what's his name uh he's in everything he sounds like he's doing indiana a really jones good, yeah indiana jones that's right uh <laughs> No, the voice actor Troy is doing Baker. Troy Baker. Thank you. Yeah, he sounds good as uh, as Indy, of course. I mean, I don't think they could have gotten Harrison to do something like that, even if he was willing. I feel like, you know, he's at that age where it's like, are we to believe that he is pre-Last Crusade Indiana? But yeah, I think Troy Baker will do good. I don't know. I, I wonder if they could have recorded his voice and de-aged it with AI. Maybe. Similar to what they did with uh, the flashback scenes on uh, <sighs> Dial of Destiny. Um, yeah. Because it seemed to work okay there. But, yeah, who knows? Shadow knows. But, uh, yeah, this year is what they're saying. Do you believe Indeed. it? you believe in it? Um... Looked pretty far along. It did look far along. This echoes drive me crazy. Can you turn down my voice in your ears? See yeah. if that helps. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Speak. Anyways, it, no, we'll see. We'll see. I think it, it looks pretty far along. Yeah. It's not echoing now, so I think that was it. Lovely. But all in all, I think this was a good, uh, a good little snippet of things to come. Um, as far as like you know, there's a ton of games that they've talked about in the past. It's good to get some of them out in the like kind of out of the way. Be like, okay, these are coming. You know what I mean? There's still a lot of games like uh, Fable and uh, freaking Fable is always the biggest one on my list. Uh, shoot, what's the other one? The uh, rare game that uh they revealed like two years ago <laughs> yeah um, but anywho this was, uh, i, think I this don't was have it one. i'm sorry yeah i don't have it it's like right there it was a in 64 <laughs> game but it's gone yeah yep. perfect dark perfect dark response there you go yep there it is <laughs> um but anywho 
So we got a few more things to talk about. This is a this is a big old podcast. You're right. Why did we spend so much time joking around at the beginning? What have we done? Uh, do you want to talk about that movie first, or do you want to talk about uh, Oscar noms? Sure. Which one? <laughs> Ask a, answer a this or that question with a yes or no answer. What's yes. uh, that? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about Oscar nominations. Uh, they just okay. dropped today. Um, yeah, um, let's uh, kind of go through the big ones, and we'll uh, we'll discuss. We'll just keep switching off. We'll just keep switching off. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean you do a category, I'll do. Okay. Sweet Echo of the Gods. That's the name of the next Indiana Jones game or movie. Indiana Jones yep. and the Sweet Echo of the Gods. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go for... Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Best Animated uh, Feature Film. Uh, there's a few of these I have not seen, but I think I've seen most of them. Let's see here. I'm pulling it up. My apologies. Animated Feature Film. The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, Robot Dreams, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Um, I've not seen Nimona, and I've not seen Robot Dreams, so I've only seen three of the five. Um, so I, I'm, I think all the one, those three are worthy of being there for sure. Like, I think I, I like elemental probably more than most. Uh, so I might be in the minority on that opinion. Um, but the one I want to win that is the boy in the heron. I want to see Hayao Miyazaki get a, get an Oscar. I want to see him get that trophy. Um, he's been nom- He was nominated before for Spirited Away. I don't think that won. I think it was just nominated. I don't remember what it lost against. Um, but I'm ready to Probably see him Toy win. Probably Toy Story. Probably <laughs> Toy Story. Probably something Pixar. Um, I think this is it. I think this is the time. I mean, Spider-Man could easily win, but um, it's the the one before it won. So I'm not sure that the Academy will be hungry to have this one win as well but who knows because right. again this is all people it's not just like some magical force of movies there are people and like i think like uh the zeitgeist has a lot to do with the academy awards we yep. can't just that's why they take up all the ads on sunset boulevard exactly we can't just like be like oh it's just pure art shining through no there these are opinions and where people are at at the time yep. but Yep. I, I hope they're going they go in with that and I hope uh, I do hope the boy in the heron wins. Go, Luke. Okay. Actress in a supporting role. Oh, Emily Blunt, Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks, The Color Purple, America Ferrera, Barbie, Jody Foster, Nyad, Devan Joy, Randolph, Divine, Divine Joy, Randolph in the holdovers. Um yeah, unfortunately, I have not seen a lot of these overall. Um, in this case, I have seen Oppenheimer and The Holdovers. And um, I don't know. They both did great <laughs> of those two. But it's unfair for me to <laughs> only be judging two people out of that group. Okay, well, which one? Um, hmm. Out of those two? Hmm. Honestly, man, it would be very close in my mind. Uh, I think they both had equally challenging things i think emily blunt's might have been more challenging just because of the 
I don't know the depths of like how negatively the uh, she was portrayed in Oppenheimer. Um, but oh wow, mm, yeah, I would probably give it to Emily. I think I think she just was given a little bit harder of a task. Um, but uh, Divine did a great job in that movie, so you know nothing against her performance. Yeah, I mean, I would probably go with her. Uh, I, that that I remember, like when I saw the movie. It's been a while since I've seen Oppenheimer, though. I'm, I plan to see it again before the uh, the uh, the show because Amber hasn't seen it, so I'll probably pick up the 4K Blu-ray. Um, but yeah, the performance really did strike me a lot, like kind of like subtleties sometimes of grief, you know, like kind of just seeing those small moments where you're like, oh yeah, this person's hurting, even though they're not having an outburst at the moment. Okay, I'm. Well, you know, it's okay to have uh, an opinion that is uh, contrary to everyone else's. Um, and so you're going to hear it here. You know, <laughs> I, I hate to be someone to poo-poo on, some, on someone that something that a lot of people likes. I'm not a contrarian. I generally like a lot of stuff. But, man, I do not understand America Frere here. I don't get it. Like, there are so many good performances this year, so many amazing things, and, like, I don't understand what she did in that movie that makes people... Especially, like, the fact that Margot Robbie wasn't nominated. Like, I'm not saying Margot Robbie was incredible, but she was good. She was really good in the... She was good in the movie. Well, wouldn't she have been in a leading role, though? She would have been in a leading role. I know, maybe there just wasn't room. Yeah. Uh, or, and, like, all the other ones beat her out. It wasn't so much about snubbing her, but maybe, like, okay, the other ones were just better in their eyes. And I just don't know... I just don't know how anyone could have watched... Barbie and been like Oscar. I mean, I th- I know there are. I know there are. That's the thing. I j- I'm just telling you what I where I'm at. I've seen Barbie twice. I saw it in theaters by myself, and I saw it at home on on Max with Amber. And yeah, I just I, I, I don't know what she did in that movie. A lot of people point to that one monologue she gave. I, it just regardless of like the writing of it and everything. I like how she. It was fine. Like how she delivered it was fine. It wasn't bad. It was just like, I, I don't know, man. It was a monologue and she did it and there wasn't. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that. I, I feel like. I think Barb- a lot of the juice behind that movie is the message that's being portrayed. Yeah. I've said this really over and over. That, simple. that I don't understand what the message is. I understand that there is a message, but I don't understand what it is. Like, I really don't. I've been, I've had conversations with people who love the movie, and I still can't really get it out of anyone what the message of that movie is. And so it's like, yeah, I haven't one, seen it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like movies having a message is great. Every other, every movie that's on this list almost has a message, and I'm fine with movies having a message. But at the, I don't know. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Barbie. I, there's a lot of aspects of it that I do like and I do think are praiseworthy. Like the production of that movie is fantastic. The way everything looks in like, I'd even understand like the direction, uh, getting in there. But, um, but this is not one of them. (laughs) I I do not understand it. Anyways, I didn't want to talk for ages about it. I don't want to spend every time we talk about the Academy Awards, talking about my I'm not my kind of lukewarmness Hatred. not hate yeah not hate lukewarmness about Barbie because there's a lot of stuff I like about that movie but 
overall, pure I just boiling think it, hate. I yeah, got pure it. Pure boiling hate. I know. So overall, I just don't <laughs> think it works. But, anyways, um, I'll go. We'll talk about best supporting actor now. Then, right? Might, might as well. Um, Sterling K. Brown, American Fiction. Robert De Niro, Killers of the Flower Moon. Robert Downey Jr., Oppenheimer. Ryan Gosling, Barbie. Mark Ruffalo, Poor Things. Um, yeah, um, I've seen um, Killers of Flower Moon, mostly. I need to finish it. Oppenheimer and Barbie. I've not seen Poor Things and I've not seen American Fiction. They are on the top of my list of movies I'm trying to go out and go see. Let me know if you want to see any of those with me, Luke, by the way. Cause I'm yeah, trying to I want to out. see American Fiction. Yeah, American Fiction's top of my list. I'm really looking forward to watching that. Um, so I'll reserve judgment, obviously, for those. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is getting this, right? Yeah, we haven't seen That's the others. the only but... role I've seen out of this category. Oh, so yeah, you're so right. So hard for me to say. Exactly. Um, I need to watch The Killers. That's going to be easy. Easy watch. Right. I mean, Ryan Gosling. Easy three-hour watch. Entertainment. <laughs> and th- yeah, it's, 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 it's long. We're, we've had to split it up because it's just a, it's a long yep. movie, and it's, it can be hard to fit it in. <laughs> um. I mean, Ryan Gosling, he was funny. He was he was very funny, but I don't know. I don't know. That, that it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to – I don't want to be unfair to be like, okay, it's a movie I didn't like overall, but Ryan Gosling was good in it. Margot Robbie was good in it. But, um, again, we're talking about the Oscars. We're talking about the Academy Awards. It's so difficult for me to say, yep. Obviously, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. But yeah. e- either either way, um, Robert Downey Jr. seems like he should win. I need to, again, I need to see poor things in American fiction. But from the movies that I've seen, that's all I can do. That's all I can say right now. We'll come back the night Could of. Could be. Luke. Good for him if he does. Indeed. What you got next? Um, actress in a leading role. Annette Benning, Nyad, Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Huller, Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan, Maestro, Emma Stone, Poor Things. Yeah, I haven't seen any of these. <laughs> I've only seen Killers of the Flower Moon, so I'm not going to be like, she should win, because it just, I'm not comparing them to anything. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing... Poor I don't things. know if I'm going to like Poor Things. I don't know if that's going to be my thing, but uh, I feel like I should watch it. Looks kooky. Looks crazy. As a, as a reviewer. Yeah. It's like it, a comedy, right? Which is so strange. It seems like, like a it. very strange comedy. At least they yeah. call it a comedy. We'll see. They There's yeah, a lot of things we'll that see. can be slotted into the comedy thing, especially the Golden Globes. Where I'm like, that's a comedy but it's like well he didn't want to fit in the drama so i don't know but it does look really kooky so um yeah we can talk about best actor next uh i don't know i I feel like cillian murphy is a lock right i mean everyone's been saying it i haven't seen maestro i haven't seen rustin and i haven't seen american fiction it's cool to see jeffrey wright nominated I'll say that because yeah. I do enjoy him as an actor. Probably the biggest role he's gotten. Yeah, he's in his he's, career. Yeah, you're right. I feel uh-huh. like he's often supporting. Yeah, and uh, rarely in a role like this that has so much attention. And so, 
good for him. I'm happy to see him nominated. I haven't seen that movie yet. I might be like blown away by it by the time I see it, but so, I haven't seen it yet. Something about Nolan though, man. He he likes to bring Oscars to actors. Something about his movies. They seem to bring in the votes for the the actor. Yeah. Um anything else to say about that category? Uh, you know, Bradley Cooper would be the only one that I, you know, I don't know anything about Rustin. I don't, I don't even know what that movie is, but uh but Bradley I. Cooper seems like he took on quite a quite a role in Maestro, so mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times when you're portraying a real life person and you do a great job, you get a lot of votes for that. That's right. That seems to be a academy favorite thing to do, so I don't know. Be interesting. Um, which category next? Best picture. All right. I mean, shoot. <laughs> Out of the ones you've seen so far, which one do you want to win? I'm trying to get down. I don't know why they have it. They have, I'm like on the official Oscars website. And it's like down middle of the page. There's so many. There's so many this year. So I've seen two of these movies, The Holdovers and Oppenheimer. And I sure am glad. I hope I hope people listen to me when I said stream The Holdovers before this comes out. Because I don't know. I wonder if it's still streaming like it was when we did two weeks ago. Um, I think so. But um, between Holdovers and Oppenheimer, I would probably go Oppenheimer. I... I, I I like Holdovers as a really cool, touching Christmas movie, but for me, it's not high on my list of movies I've seen. I I enjoyed it. You know, I did not. I didn't think it was amazing. I thought it was a good, enjoyable movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought Oppenheimer was excellent, and so I mean, I'm. I'm. I want him to win a best picture. I want him to win best director. I feel like this is the movie that if he's going to do it, it's going to be this one. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't know what he has in store for the future, but as far as like on the opportunities he's had out of all of those, I feel like this is his best chance he has to like have a Nolan night, and I kind of want to see him have that. It's kind of like the same same thing I have to say about. Uh, Boy and the Heron. I mean, I think for me, I thought Oppenheimer was excellent. I thought it was. It's definitely up there. Is it my favorite of Nolan? No, but it's it's up there. And so I I really hope he hope they win for that movie. I think it's so excellent. And uh, but then again, uh, a lot of these a lot of times a movie can like change my mind. And you know, if if there's a smaller movie that I'm just like, yeah, I loved it. It can. Yeah, it can really make me root for it. Um, I'm in the again. I'm in yeah. the minority here. Uh, Coda won. Was it? I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. Coda won, and I really loved that movie. I thought it was excellent. I, I, it was the last one I saw in the list of best picture, and I was like, I'm rooting for that one. That movie, I want that one to win, and I was very happy with that. I, I, I know there's a lot of people who have different opinion, but, um, but yeah, uh, that's. That's my hope. Um, if Barbie wins, I just don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Again, I, I don't want to hate that movie. I just feel like people are just caught up in it. 
You know, I, I can't help but feel yeah. that, you know, that people are caught up in it. When people talk about how good it is, I never, I can't, it's rare that I hear them talk about the whys. I mean, I can tell you the good things about it. Absolutely. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just think like, uh, it doesn't belong here. Um, it, it's just, it's so odd. It, I, I think people are just wrapped up in the whirlwind of it. The movie has this really strong identity of, of like this visual identity, this like character to it. That's really good. But and I think people are so caught up in that, that I, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I, I don't want to go on about this. I apologize. Um, a couple things here and there I wanted to bring up. Godzilla minus one is nominated for visual effects. Happy to see it show up. I'm kind of surprised that, it, that that movie isn't uh, in the uh, best international film. But from what I understand is that they have to basically submit the one they want. It's not like the Academy goes around picking it. Like I think like the countries like the international countries like submit the one that they're pushing forward. I don't think it's like, well, we've seen these Japanese movies and we think Godzilla minus one is the one Japan. And so it's kind of their choice from what I understand. If I'm misunderstanding that, I'm sorry. Um, score. Yeah. I mean, uh, I didn't, I haven't noticed the score of killer of the flower moon too much, but (laughs) yeah. Uh, that's there. Uh, let's see an original song. I'm trying to see if there's anything interesting. It's interesting that the, uh, international feature film Japan didn't submit that as the, as their movie. Right, that's what I'm saying. Godzilla minus I think one. They, I guess they underestimated They weren't it. proud of it enough for some reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, like, I, I don't know how they feel about Godzilla movies there. I know they they like them, but I, I don't know, like, in what regard they're held if, if they're thinking about the Academy Awards. I think they were all surprised by how well it's been received here. I thought you were saying that they submitted that for the other category. I'm sorry, no, I didn't follow no. what you were saying. I, th- I think for international features, is that that's the one that they put forward. That they're like, okay, this is the one that we're submitting. I don't know if it's a one or a list or something like that, but um, we could think... Uh, you think Jap- that's the only one that does that? Where they submit it? International? Yeah. I mean... Well, I mean, it's the only category where it's done that way. I think so. I mean, everyone has to, like, submit, submit, but it's not like one of those things where it's like Disney comes forward and submits one movie. It's just, I think there's uh, the the international... I mean, countries, countries. I think so. I think that's how it works for all, for all the international... Because that's the only international category? Is that right? International I thought there used film. to be, like, an international short. There still is. There's internet, this yeah. list needs to be smaller and on many pages. I'm scrolling up and down. It's horrible format. <laughs> um, let's see. Another. I like looking at the original songs. Um, I'm surprised that Wonka isn't on here for any of its songs. I don't know if it made it in time, as well, or if it even, or if it even like requested nomination. But we have a song from American Symphony, which I don't know. I'm Just Ken from Barbie. What I Was Made There's For. There's not an international short, Jordan. There isn't? There's documentary short film. No. Either I'm mistaken There's, or it, it's gone away. 
there used to be like foreign foreign short or something like that. Yeah. I, I don't see that anymore. Okay. Maybe I don't it, think that's in here this year. Maybe it's left us. Yeah. It's fine. There's a lot of categories. <laughs> there that's are a lot of sure. categories. Like, holy crap. Um, but yeah, I don't have too much to say. Um, I, I still have my work cut out for me for watching some of these. Uh, I, I always do this uh, for uh, these episodes of the podcast. Um, there are ways you can watch some of these movies. Anatomy of the Fall is on Netflix. Barbie is on HBO Max. The Holdovers is on Peacock. Killers of the Flower Moon is on Apple TV+. Plus. Maestro is on Netflix. Hmm. Oppenheimer is not streaming. It is something you will have to uh, either rent or purchase. Past Lives, that is on Netflix. Let me just make sure. I looked up this stuff uh, earlier today to kind of prepare myself for the things I'm going to need to do. No, Past Lives is on... I, I need to investigate this more. There's a streaming service called Viki, V-I-K-I, where it says it's free on that web, on that uh, streaming app. Um, that I have not looked into that. I don't know what Viki is, but apparently it's there. I don't know if it's a subscription-based thing. It seems to be uh, Asian uh, for Asian dramas. Uh, so I need to look more into that, but it is there. Um, I don't see it anywhere else. Um, uh, Poor Things is on. Uh, it says in you theaters. can rent it on Prime Video. Okay, so it's available for renting. That's okay. That's good. And Zone of Interest is on Netflix. And American Fiction is also in theaters. Um, <clears throat> so the ones that are only in theaters right now is uh, um, American Fiction and uh, Poor Things. Did I get this right with Anatomy of the Fall? I want to. I want to make sure. I don't want to. You can rent it on Prime. I do see that. Which one? Anatomy of a Fall. So okay, so it's Zone of Interest that's on Netflix, but Anatomy of the Fall is, I guess, rental only. I was trying to. Well, I'm out. just looking at Prime, so. Oh, I there see. There may be somewhere else to stream it, but you can rent it on Prime. Yes, you can. Yeah, it looks like Anatomy of the Fall is available for rental on most platforms, and not like because there's so much of a difference. I feel like we have to differentiate. It's a rental, rental. It's not that whole. See it early and rent it for twenty dollars. That that's a that's a something you rent for a reasonable price. <laughs> that drives me nuts. Yeah. I'm like, why would I do that? Well, what was ridiculous with the holdovers was that it was out to buy, and the rental was still ridiculously expensive it wasn't like oh it's in theaters here you can rent it it was like nope this is out to purchase and rent for a horrible price yeah absolutely that sort of thing frustrates me but uh the ones i have my attention on to see soon is american american fiction and poor things because they're in theaters now and i don't want to miss the opportunity at this point um but yeah, I never understand that. It makes no sense why these people make it so hard to watch something during their big moment right before the Oscars. Right. Just give us some way, even if it's a six dollar rental, that's fine. But just give 
people who want to watch your movie a way to watch your movie. Yeah. A lot of times they push it out in theaters. Again, they have like a, a quick run, like the weeks leading up to the, the, the show they'll have, they'll push them into theaters again, but it's yeah, fine. at least it's a way to watch it. A lot of times they make a lot of these available to rent or buy like soon after the show, which it's always frustrating. That was the case with, I think the whale, but anyways, um, shoot. What time is it? How long have we been going? All the time. I mean, when else are we going to talk about the beekeeper? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're really going to save it. We saw the beekeeper, everyone. Jason the Statham, beekeeper. he's back. He's back, baby. <laughs> he, all the way. We haven't seen him since the Meg 2. <laughs> yeah. Or Expendables 4. <laughs> so it's been a few months. <laughs> but this is his... Uh, but he's back in the in the kind of movie I felt like he used to make, like right? A long Transporter. Time ago. Uh, yeah. Hey, what's that one where uh, he's running around with his heart gonna explode? That one. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's like one word. It's one it's like word. It's like a crush crazy or something. Right. Crank. Crank. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Luke. What, what did you, what did you think? What is this gonna be a quick thing? We're, I don't think we're gonna do the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. What, what did you think of uh, Beekeeper? I kind of told you when we came out of the theater. It was like, I really like the concept. American version of a John Wick where like someone is this unstoppable force where it's like he's had all this training, he has all these abilities at his disposal and you know, he he knows how to get something done and he's this unstoppable force. And I, I love that. It it reminds me of um I told you that what, what was it? Um Jason Bourne. Reminds me a lot of that where it's like these there's all this mystery to him, like who is this beekeeper and who is Jason Bourne? What is this program that Jason Bourne was in before, you know, his memories got wiped and those kind of movies excite me. Um, but you know, this movie fell short in a lot of ways, but I did, I did like the bones of it. I think with a better director, with a better script and, and some better supporting actors, I think this movie could have been really cool, but you know, as it was, it was probably somewhere in the like, you know, five and a half, six range for me. Um, I thought a lot of the acting was just, eh, was fine. You know, but I think some of, some of the reasoning for that was because the script was just not great. There was this one scene, you know, there's this one scene trying to keep this all this short where, where I told Jordan, I'm like, I think the writers like called a short day that day because <laughs> the scene just kind of abruptly ended. It's like they said what they said and then it just kind of was like, okay, next scene. Right. The characters were like, maybe he wasn't the scene's gone on too long. That day. We need the to writer on. was like, I think I've written enough. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's funny. Well, what um, do you think, George? I mean, I, I look, I enjoyed it, but it's one of those movies that's like it's best served at a movie that you like rent and you like or or something or stream and you watch it with buddies like us watching it together was perfect pairing, like you and I watching it together. I wish we were just like watching it at your place, though, or my place, something like that, where we're just like watching over a bucket of popcorn, some drinks, yeah. and just having a laugh. Because Instead we. $18 worth of popcorn. 
Well, we, we actually got free popcorn yeah, in that case. They, but yeah, they had a deal going on. It was National Popcorn Day. Yeah, to our surprise. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I'd rather be at home, you know, because the thing is, is, like, we don't like talk in the theater or anything like that. But this is a movie, you know, you at home make comments during, you know, laugh yeah. at the ridiculous parts and it's better it's better there. I feel like if we watched it there I feel like we'd be a little more high on it, but as it stands, yeah, I mean, this is a B movie that has yeah, some hokey dialogue, some hokey acting. And yeah, I mean, we talk about the John Wick stuff, right? Where it's like, oh, it's a John Wick ish movie or John Wick clone. I generally try to hold back on that because like, I feel like a lot of those things like John Wick kind of like revitalized tropes that were pre-existing right in the 80s, like commando, like pulling the badass out of retirement because something personal happened. And now here he yep. comes on a trek through revenge town. Um, but <laughs> this movie does the thing that like I think really helped John Wick where like there's that like secret society sort of it was the unknown underbelly of our society and they're a bunch of badasses that we don't know about that are doing all these things you know that is something that I feel like John Wick really kind of it made it feel a little bit more original and I feel like this does that a little bit with the whole beekeeper idea and the whole thing with like, yeah, something personal spurs it on and it balloons out of control to where it's like, oh, yeah, uh, now I'm up against this big figure of some sort. Um, similar to kind of how John Wick kind of just ballooned out of control as like one thing ended up escalating to this insane, insane degree. It's, it's, it is very similar to that. Um, but I think like its merits are... Yeah, I mean, Jason Statham, I think, is pretty good at this stuff. I think he had, he still has a good physicality, and he has like that way about yeah. him that he does feel like a credible action guy. And uh, the beekeeper stuff is sort of interesting. It's like I get why they want to do it. Um, the thing that makes the like the inciting incident, I think, is kind of unique, right? Like we don't see that very often. Like it's. It's like scammers, yeah. basically. That that that. Yep, yep. That's like a villain that nobody really likes. That it it. I don't yep. really see that happen very often. So it's kind of fun yeah. to see that. It's an interesting beginning of the movie there, where it's showing what this movie's going to be about. Right. David um, Ayers has had an interesting career. He really has. Let me let me. Um, I'm not going to say everything he's directed, um, but just what he's directed of the interesting category. End of Watch, just pretty good. Yeah. 2012. Um, I don't know if people remember that one, but uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Panay, Anna Kendrick were in that. It's a cop cop movie. It's kind of like a body um, cam fe- movie, if I remember correctly, right? Like, or not really body cam, but kind of yeah, like, something like that. Yeah, they kind of had that deal. style. Fury, which is probably my favorite out of this list. That movie was excellent. Brad Pitt, World War Two, like following this tank around, basically. Mm-hmm. I like that one. Suicide Squad, which uh, yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, Bright, which I never saw, but I saw heard Bright. not great things. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, Netflix joint. Um, 
Then the tax collector, which is the Shia LaBeouf starring joint, where he's like part of the cartel, I think. I've not Mexican seen that one. cartel. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, but it has a 4.8. And so it's interesting. So what would you think? Let's just go through it. Let's go through. So end of watch. What did you think the average user score on IMDb would be? 6.8. 7.6. Okay, I'm pretty off. So a little higher. What do you think Fury got? Just like an average score from people. Uh, Fury got uh, 7.4. 7.6, same right. as End of Watch. Okay. Users think both those movies are about the same. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad has a 5.3. 5.9. Yeah, close. dang. All right. Pretty bad. And Bright's at 6.3. Wow. Tax Collector's at 4.8. And then The Beekeeper, what do you think it's at now? I think The Beekeeper's at 6.9. Close. 6.7. Okay. Real close, yeah. So of what he's done, the beekeeper's actually pretty high. Yeah. People are see I think from what I've like seen of like certain people people do seem to be um enjoying it quite a bit. I mean, the action's good. I mean, I think that's the most redeeming thing about it, you know. The action is good. It's just it's just if it if it had a great script, this movie would be Something that it's like, oh, this could be a franchise. This could be a, the next John Wick, but it just doesn't. It ha- it just lacks in that in that category. And the, I don't know. I feel bad. I feel like there's more potential there than I think this is really. I, I think this is just a dead end. I think it's going to be a one and done. Yeah, I think people I don't even if they, they enjoy make sequels it. for all kinds of crap that I don't think they're going to make sequels. So it's hard right. for me to say. It depends but, on how much it costs to begin with, you know. Like if yeah. it, if they feel like it justifies. It didn't one. seem like they spent a ton. <laughs> Did not. No. Just my guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, I do feel like people are just kind of forget about it. That's why I was like, we need to just do this, talk about this now, because it's like, who's going to give a crap about this movie in like a week or two? You yeah. know, it's it's, yeah. it's arguable that they do now, but um, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I want to bring this up because I thought it was one of the more uh, amusing parts of the movie. Like every now and then, it'll like people from different genres will show up in this movie. <laughs> I've noticed there's like a, a, a like midway through maybe one third of the way through a character shows up with like a minigun, but she's like dressed like she's from like either yep. judge dread, like the Sylvester Stallone one or like blade runner or the super Mario brothers movie, the live action one. Like where I'm like, what in the world? And the, she's acting like it too. It, it's, I was like laughing in the audience. I just don't know what they were thinking because everything else is so like middle of the line. And then here comes this character that's like out of just a graphic novel or something. I don't know. And the same thing happens yep. towards the end. Another character shows up acting. A whole group of characters. A whole group. There is like we've imported these characters straight from some sort of cyberpunk world. Here they are. And. Acting like they're from, I don't know, like the the one guy, he's like all of a sudden acting like he's the main they villain. They're like ravers. Like right. They came from like a, a rave concert. Yeah, here are these people, they're from they the Resident the Evil movies. <laughs> it's crazy, and I love that. I mean, it's We're bad. like groupies of like Fast and Furious movies with guns. Right. 
the people on the side like hooping and hollering yep. as Vin Diesel speeds Their booties off. booties hanging out and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, hoochie mamas. Yeah, all that stuff. It's yep. wild. <laughs> because like everyone else is like wearing a choice. Everyone else is wearing like a zip hoodie and jeans in the movie, and then here comes someone with like a shiny yellow leather jacket. You know what I mean? It's like they're yelling and acting all wild. Absolutely, <laughs> it's great. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, it, it's very average. But I think there could. I don't want to write it off though, because I feel like there's some good times that you could potentially have if you're in the right environment and the right frame of mind. I, I feel like there's some decent fun times to be had. That's what I'll, that's what I'll say about it. Yeah. I don't feel like we need to go into any spoilers really. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Go well, see it if you really like action movies, you'll probably right. like it. Indeed. Um, yeah, uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, we've seen an Oscar movie or some of some sort. I I I want to see if we can get to the theater to see uh, American Fiction pretty soon. I'll, I'll text you. Sounds good. I'm talking to Luke, by the way. If you're listening to this and you're expecting a text about American Fiction, I just wanted <laughs> to make that clear. I don't want to miscommunicate. Anyways, <laughs> now we have all your numbers. We're all going to uh, meet there. We'll all right, we'll see you at the theater okay, six. Fine. All right, fine. We'll see you at Theater 6. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys next week. See ya.